Hello and welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast. We are from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church with five locations in Utah. Each week, we will be hearing from our lead pastor, Paul Roby, and others as we explore what it means to be fully delighted in God and how we help as many people as possible experience this at SMCC. This is the Fully Delighted Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Fully Delighted Podcast. So glad you've joined us for Season 3. I'm Eric. I'm one of the teaching pastors here, and I'm hosting today for Adam Jones, who's still uh, coming back from his Thanksgiving vacation. Um, I'm here with Pastor Paul. Paul, Paul how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Glad to be here, and I'm excited for today's story. Yeah, awesome. In season three, if you're just tuning in, what we're doing is listening to the stories uh, of people who have decided to call SMCC home and come from uh, an LDS past. And so that's what we're doing. In seasons one and two, we talked about what makes SMCC, SMCC, our core values, the uh, culture we're trying to create, our strategic objectives, and how we do church and why we do church the way we do it here in Utah. And then in season three, we really want to highlight stories of people who have been impacted by SMCC here in the Valley over the last uh, 22 years. And today on the show, we have Stacy. I don't even know how to say your last name. I, it's Gaisley. Is that correct? Yes. I got it right. Yes. Good. Stacy. so glad to have you here on the show, jumping into this podcast. Stacy. your story uh, is is really unique and really special. Um, you work at SMCC. We'll start there. And I've been able to work with you at the South Jordan location over the last couple months. Uh, you also grew up LDS, um, and then you've also uh, moved to Utah. So you have an LDS pass, you're a transplant to Utah, and you are on staff at SMCC. And so because of those three things, I think your story will be very valuable um, to our listeners. Now, before we dive into the questions and into Stacy's story, as always, you can leave a, a review of this podcast, uh, any notes that go with this show or season three, you can find in the description um, below. And uh, we sure appreciate when you review, when you share this podcast so that more and more people can hear the stories of people who have experienced life change at SMCC. That's what we're all about. So having said that, are you guys ready to dive in? Yeah, Stacey, I'm excited to hear your story today. And what we like to do is just start out with a pretty open-ended question. And that is, tell us about growing up as a Mormon and tell us about your family uh, your involvement in the LDS Church, its impact on your life, that sort of thing. Okay, so I was um, born in Mesa, Arizona, and um, my mom remarried a LDS man who was what we considered a Jack Mormon. Um, so he didn't go to church, but I think my mom had the thinking. There was four of us um, all a year apart, and when I was five, my mom decided that we should go to church. Um, she was raised as a Baptist, and um, in Arizona, the predominant religion in Mesa was LDS. And since my stepfather was LDS, they sent us to that church, but they didn't come with us. So there was four of us little kids walking two miles to the campus, and... Um, we would walk there, and you know, um, in the Mormon church, it's it's a long service, so we were there two to three hours, and then we would walk home, so it would give them a whole Sunday alone. So um, we did this until I was nine, and um, 
we never really fit in. I mean, obviously, it was four little kids sitting in pews and listening to the um, the meeting is kind of what I took it as. Um, we were bored. Um, we would sit through the meeting and then be sent off to Sunday school. And Sunday school was hard for me to grasp. I had a Sunday school teacher that I loved, but um, it just, we just didn't fit in. We weren't, um, it wasn't that we weren't welcomed. It was that we were just part of that and it was just Sunday. There was no, um, hey, come to our house and play with our kids because we were the strange kids that just showed up at church. So um, I think it was always a feeling of not being, not welcome, just not belonging. We didn't belong there. And so um, at eight years old, I was baptized because my whole class, my whole Sunday school class was baptized. And um, I remember thinking from everything that I could learn as a child, um, if I'm baptized and then I go out and sin after, then I'm separated. And that didn't make sense to me. Um, it was, it, it felt like I had to do it, um, because everybody else was doing it. But I knew with the home that I lived in, it was impossible. Um, but I did it because I was supposed to. And so baptism was, um, really hard for me. And after that, I felt like now there's no way I could ever be long to this church because, again, my family wasn't doing the things that they said you had to do to be in the church. So, um, so at nine, I was taken to the temple and baptized for the dead. Um, that I didn't understand any of that. Who took you to the temple? My Sunday school teacher. Mm. Um, so she kind of took all four of us under her wing. She had seven kids of her own, um, but I'm sure she didn't understand what was happening in our home. There was abuse happening in our home. It wasn't a good life. I think she could see that, so she kind of would pick us up sometimes and drive us to church and then take us to her house and feed us. And um, so back to at nine, um, I thought... um, when we were taken to the temple, we were baptized for these people so that they could be saved. And I thought, well, maybe there is a chance that I can live this life and be saved later. And so none of it made sense to a little kid's mind. So um, at nine, we, after that experience, um, we moved to California and we found another LDS church, and all four of us would <laughs> go. And I went until I was about 16. Um, my first year in high school, I started seminary. And again, what I was learning was family was everything. And um, my family didn't fit the mold at all. And I thought, well, I can, I can keep doing this, or I can go have fun. because I might as well have fun if I can't have the heaven that they talked about. The heaven they talked about was with your family and 
my family wasn't the family they talked about. So um, I quit going to seminary about six months in, and I just thought, well, if this is the God they talk about, um, I didn't, Jesus was never a thing with me. Jesus wasn't part of anything that I remember. And like I said, this is a kid's perspective. Um, But God was, to me, mean. Um, He didn't care about families like mine. Um, so I decided that I would go out and just have fun. So, um, so that's when I left the church. Wow. I mean, there's so much inside of that story that we could, that we could talk about, um, from beliefs about things like baptism for the dead and, and things like that to, uh, sort of feeling like a second class citizen or second class family inside uh, of that church. And then also Arizona. I know Paul, we've talked about, uh, the LDS population in Arizona. We've talked to churches that have tried to uh, start in Arizona and have and have struggled. Um, so for the listener, Stacy, who's hearing your story and and doesn't quite know what it feels like, uh, maybe to not feel good enough, or they don't know what it feels like to be a second class citizen inside of a culture. Although this has happened to many of us in multiple settings, perhaps. But if you were to describe what that felt like. Um, growing up, what, what was that like? I mean, what, what was that feeling? Um, so there was a lot of stuff going on, um, in my household. Um, like I said, there was some abuse and stuff. And I remember always thinking, and because there was abuse, there was a lot of tears. Mm -hmm. And I remember knowing that there was a God. I never had a doubt that there was a God, I just didn't know what it was. And I remember praying as a child to want to go home. I always wanted to go home. And I thought, well, that's weird because I am home. Mm -hmm. But I always had this prayer of, I want to go home. I just want to be out of this because what I knew from church was that this wasn't our home. We were going to have a second home, um, our real home. And it would be, like I said, with this family of ori- original family, and um, it di- nothing correlated, nothing mm-hmm. ever, it didn't matter what I was taught in Sunday school, um, the pictures in the church were of these beautiful families and this beautiful Jesus figure that was a brother to me, Um there, the father figure of God didn't make sense because I didn't really have a father figure at home. Mm-hmm. So I think it was just a lot of confusion. And I took a lot of those little pieces that I did grasp and I took them into adulthood mm-hmm. and tried to fit them into adulthood. Mm-hmm. And it was just hard. Yeah, we've done a series recently at SMCC where we said our worldview is like a puzzle, and for many of us, we have different pieces from different puzzles all mixed together, and throughout our lives, we're trying to sort out which pieces go where, which pieces we don't need anymore, which pieces are actually pieces from biblical Christianity. Um, Maybe there's some puzzles that have similar pieces, but by and large, if it's a 500-piece puzzle, two similar pieces doesn't make the whole puzzle the same, and so um, what you're describing is sort of, okay, I brought some pieces into adulthood, some pieces I had to get rid of. My question is, as you saw some of those families in the ward that did have it all together, because there probably were those families, when you were around them, when you saw that family that really had it all together, the 
kind of the family that you didn't have. Uh, what was going through your mind and through your heart when you were around those families? So I think that's part of the part that I brought into adulthood is I thought those families were perfect. I thought there was no, um, no problems. There was no fighting. There was no, uh, it's so funny because, um, one of the things that took me a long time to not do was to dress perfectly for church. Um, they looked like they, there was no brokenness in their families. Um, there had to have been, obviously, but as a child, they looked like the heavenly family. They looked like a heavenly family. Hmm. So you left. You kind of left us at 16 years old, and now you're going to go have fun. Uh, tell us about your life, uh, school marriage, anything like that, kind of fill in some of that piece, and then take us to the point where you started to think about, where do I go from here spiritually, you know, and what what were some of those questions that you were asking? So um, from 16 to 18, I had a lot of fun, um, (laughs) got in a lot of trouble, Um, but I always had that uh, desire to have that family that I saw growing up um, that I missed out on. So at 18, I met my husband, and um, he was a non-practicing Catholic. And so we were married in a non-denominational church, and um, that was all fine until I got pregnant. And I thought, okay, now I'm bringing this child into the world, um, and I want that family. I want that perfect family, and the only way you can do that is in a church, didn't care which church. Um, I didn't really know any other religions. Um, The missionaries had come after, not come after, um, had visited a few times and wondering, you know, what was going on. And um, so I approached my husband about attending the LDS church, and he was like, that's not happening. (laughs) Um, And he was raised with the rituals of the Catholic church and liked that part of it and said, well, why don't you um, try going to the Catholic Church? So I went a few times, and I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have to do it fully, because um, I think a lot of what I brought to um, this realization was I need to know everything. I can't just have little pieces of the information. I have to know everything about the church. So as a 22-year-old, I went through um, catechism. I went through confirmation. Um, We were remarried in the Catholic Church, and I was baptized in the Catholic Church. And um, I thought, okay, well, now I have it. I have all the information. And the thing that was hard for me is the information that I had when I thought about my core beliefs from childhood, I didn't understand the Trinity, the Trinity made no sense to me because Jesus was my brother. Um, God was this unattainable person. And the Holy Spirit was something that I just didn't have any grasp of. So I went to the Catholic Church um, dur- through my whole marriage, and um, I learned a lot of stuff about the Bible. I learned a lot of history. Um, but I never grasped Mm -hmm. Christianity. Mm -hmm. It was, um, 
a lot of ritualistic stuff, which is what brought us there because my husband liked that part of it. He liked um, the the same thing every week. You know, they do a two-year Bible cycle where you do Old Testament, New Testament, and it was very, um, it was the same. It was always the same, but there was no, there was no relationship with Jesus. There was no, in fact, I had a hard time when they even talked about Jesus because I was like, well, he doesn't really matter. He's not mm-hmm. the God. Mm-hmm. So. Hmm. Okay. So obviously it's starting not to work for you. We're, we're making our way through your spiritual journey. What was your next step? What happened? And uh, obviously you end up, ended up at a church. You b- began working at a church, fill in the gap between where you left us off and the time with it, you're actually working at a church. So um, about 17 years into the marriage, um, my husband had an affair and I couldn't reconcile it because I had done everything I was supposed to do for this perfect family. I go to church every week. Um, I, my kids were perfect. (laughs) Um, My life was perfect. And um, this happened with my husband. So I went to the priest and he told me that I had grounds for divorce, but that we could work this out. We just needed to go to counseling. So we did go to counseling for a while. And, um, I, I never, I could never get past, I could never forgive. I couldn't forgive because I didn't, know what that was I didn't know what that entailed and a lot of that was again childhood through Catholicism and then um, I got to this point where I just had to get out of the marriage so we divorced and that brought me through another realization of I will never be able to get this God thing because I can't be good enough I can never be good enough. So I went through a hard three years, and then um, I was working at a company, and there was a family, and I wasn't going to church. Um, there was a family that um, they were Mennonites, and I loved them. They were super sweet, and they were that that perfect family again, but they had something else. They had a joy. Um, that I'd never seen in any of the families that I tried to aspire to. And um, I worked for them for about a year, and their daughter had gotten pregnant, and um, she had had triplets, and she had given them up for adoption. I thought, wow, that's devastating, but they were still had joy, and they still talked about it as a good thing, and they found um, joy in trials. And um, about six months after that, the daughter died, and um, they invited me to go to the funeral. They lived about two hours away. They invited me to go to the funeral. And um, I was like, well, I don't really know her. But I, I thought, well, I'm not going to go. So the morning of the funeral, about 4 o'clock in the morning, something woke me up. And I was like, oh, I'm going. So I got up and I went to this funeral and... Um, the whole family was there. There was about 500 people at this funeral. And they started talking about 
all the joy in this woman's life that had given up these babies for adoption and she had had an alcohol problem and she had um, overdosed. Um, But they had, they were still talking about all this peace and joy they had because of Jesus. And they, the whole, um, the whole service was just based on this joy that they had. And so after the funeral, um, I didn't know the the mother. The mother came up to me and she said, because I had cried through the whole thing and I didn't know why. She had come up to me and she said, are you okay? And I was like, this is your daughter's funeral. Why are you approaching me? She goes, I don't know. I just had the feeling I needed to talk to you. And she goes, why don't you come to church next Sunday? So I was like, I'm not going to church, <laughs> and I'm not driving two hours to go to church. I tried that. I've been to a lot of churches. <laughs> yeah, I've tried all these churches. Um, and I went to church at her church two hours away a week later, and um, that was when God was doing his work, and what the pastor said just spoke right to me. And I went home, and I left a piece out Um I raised my children in Christian schools and Catholic schools, and my son at one point had started going to a Christian church, and he was part of the worship team, and he was always talking to me about Jesus, and I was like, yeah, whatever. I tried that already many times, Um, and when I got home from that service, I started talking to him, my 16-year-old, about Jesus, and um, he invited me to go to his church with... um, his girlfriend, who was the pastor's daughter, to see her sing. And I started going to that church. And again, the pastor was like, not looking at me, but talking directly to me. And things started to make sense. And I started to really get into the Bible and start reading truth and not listening to all the the different pieces of religion. It was more the truth and the Bible. And I started to really understand it because whenever I read the Bible before, it was like reading Chinese. (laughs) It was a bunch of words and there were stories that kind of made sense. But for some reason after that, the Bible just opened up Mm. to me. So as I'm hearing your story, uh, there's a couple threads that kind of run through 20 or 30 years of, you know, your journey. And those, those threads are this image of perfection at an early age that was always sort of this underlying theme for spirituality that I either need to be that or I'm not that, so I don't feel good enough. So there's that thread kind of running through and then the thread of not good enough. I mean, like I, my, because of my family and my past and what I've done, um, I'm not good enough. And so those kind of themes, would you say, kind of weave throughout your story? Yeah, I think the the turning point for me was seeing a family going through hard stuff, mm. but still having joy in Jesus. And that was eye-opening. It was, it, it, it was an experience that I can't describe. And so at that church, did you give your life to Christ and rebaptize there? I was never rebaptized. Um, I feel, I always felt like when I was baptized in the Catholic Church, I did accept Jesus. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand it, 
but that's when I feel like I was baptized. When I started going to that church, so I started going to that church, going from not going to church at all. I didn't miss a, a service for probably six years. I was there every week. Um, I started going there, and I got very close to the pastor and started working for the church, doing events and things. And um, uh, we, so we were the church, um, the unchurched Bob is what our mission was Mm -hmm. so we were on a street that had a lot of bars on it (laughs) so we took all the Saturday morning walkers into our church Um, so I think that's why it was such a good fit at SMCC because we valued our guests and um, it was all about the first-time visitors and um, so it this was a good fit when I came here but I worked for the church and got fully involved in the church Um, We started, you know, Larry Osborne, we started modeling his church, doing the small groups and stuff. And that's where I really grew was during small groups. So you've been baptized twice, is that what you see, at eight and then in well, the I've Catholic church? I've been baptized church? like 20 times, oh. if you count. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was baptized twice. Um, you know, my parents took me to a Lutheran church early on. My aunt went there and they kind of thought, uh, maybe maybe similar to what a lot of parents think. Well, we have some kids now. Let's get them a good dose of religion. We want them in sports. We want them in a good education. Let's get them some spiritual stuff, too. You know, we want our kids to have a little bit of everything. Well-rounded kids have a little church in them. I think that was sort of my parents' thinking. And so uh, I was baptized in a Lutheran church. And then when I became a Jesus follower at 18, I was baptized in a, in a river in my hometown. So, um, yeah, I've been dunked more than once uh, as well. So, Stacy, it really makes sense now why you are so committed to Bible study at SMCC. I mean, you've been a big part of leading women's groups and Bible studies, and it's because uh, the Holy Spirit illuminated God's Word when you began to read it later on in life. I love that. So, so then you moved from California to Utah. What moved you out here? So my daughter, um, she was going to Pepperdine, and she got recruited to a company in Utah to do... Um, so she design or she plans what goes on container ships (laughs) and she does that from Utah her her ports are Seattle and Long Beach but their office is here so she got recruited up here and her and her husband moved up here and they went through some hard times getting pregnant so they had to go through in vitro and stuff and I, so I worked at the church, but I, my main job was I was a hospice nurse for um, my last years of nursing in California. So I figured I would move up here. Um, I wasn't going to work for a church. I wasn't going to be a full-time volunteer. I was going to come up here, play with, uh, my daughter did end up getting pregnant. And um, I was going to come up here, spend some time with my grandkids and get a job nursing and just have a relaxing time, find a church, which I, when I thought about moving up here, I was a little worried because I knew this was the Mormon state and I was worried about finding a church. Um, So I moved up here and I started going to churches. And my thing was go to them three times. Don't just go to them once. And I was looking for biblical truth. I was looking for a pastor that I could connect with and worship. And um, I went to a lot of churches. So I tried churches for a year. And um, there was actually a church that I fell asleep in. It was a two-hour service. I won't tell you what church it Paul, was. Paul wasn't preaching that day, was he? <laughs> it wasn't. Okay. That. 
And um, so anyways, my daughter who had moved up here, she um, does not go to church, but someone, so I was a year into this church search and my daughter um, saw that I was getting frustrated, saw that I missed my community. Um, I was getting depressed. Um, and she said, mom, I have this guy at work. He loves his church, loves his church. And I said, well, I probably tried it. And she goes, well, it's called SMCC. And she goes, I think it's in Lehigh. And I said, Lehigh, that's far. And she goes, well, look it up and see what you think. So I looked it up and I saw the Draper campus. And I was like, oh, we haven't tried that church. How did that one get by us? And so um, I went to the Draper campus and I was a little overwhelmed. It was big. Um, I came from a church of about 600 people. And, um, and so I was talking to someone in the lobby and they said, you know, we have other campuses. And I said, yeah, I think my daughter told me there was one in Lehigh, but that's a little far. And they told me there was one in West Jordan and one in South Jordan. And I was, I said, okay, well, I, so I mapped mapped them. They were both the same distance. So I started going to the West Jordan campus. And I, I think what sold me, I think I was sold on the first visit. Um, I think it was because, and it wasn't the biblical truth, because I didn't really for sure know what exactly was going on. Um, it wasn't the pastor, and it wasn't the worship. It was the people. Hmm. The people greeted me. They treated me like a guest. Mm -hmm. hmm. Wow! Yeah, I remember that first Sunday that you were there, and that we, we were in transition at our West Jordan campus. We had uh, just uh, had our um, we moved on from one campus pastor, and we were trying to figure out if we were going to be able to continue at that location. It was a tough time. We, of course, ended up merging our West Jordan campus with our South Jordan campus and then moving our international campus out to West Jordan. And that's worked out fantastic for them. It's been a, it's been a huge uh, benefit to our uh, Spanish speaking ministry. And so um, I was just impressed that you guys plugged right in and that you successfully made the transition over to South Jordan and, and even got more involved. So what made you want to like dive in? Uh, you, obviously, the joy of the people, but what was it about SMCC overall that you said, you know what, I could be a part of this, and I want to actually be a part of it to the point where I'm giving up my daylight hours to this church and its mission? So, um, Adam, I think, got me <laughs> done. Um, so I, 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 by my nature, I volunteer for everything. I have a hard time saying no. Um, so no one really approached me right away to start volunteering, but um, I, I'm always looking for something to do. And when you're new at a church, um, you the only way you can get connected is sometimes by volunteering. So I knew that, but I also knew that I had this thing in my head where I'm not going to work there. I'm not going to volunteer. I'm just going to go to church and get fed, um, which I know doesn't work. <laughs> but um, I think there was a need for volunteers. And um, 
it didn't feel like something I had to do. It was something I wanted to do. I got to do. And um, so when we moved over to South Jordan, um, I started talking to Adam and there he um, seemed like he had a lot on his plate. And I said, oh, I used to do that at my old church. I can do that part. And then there was another thing, and I was like, oh, I used to do that. I know how to do that. And um, and so I just started volunteering. And then I was getting my license transferred over here so that I could um, start working here. And the pastor at South Jordan at the time said that they needed someone to do all the things that I did at the other church. And I was like, I don't really want to work at the church. I just want to go and and get my fill and not have it seven days a week. And um, then I actually got a brain tumor. (laughs) And that was back in December of last year. And um, that kind of shut me down, um, I think, of my perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And I thought a slower pace than jumping back into the medical field would be going back into working at the church. And so the, I feel like God placed the job there for me in a time that I needed to rest and be surrounded by people and love Mm. because I needed that at the time. So that's why that fit worked at the time. Wow. I've worked with you, Stacey, and uh, you're amazing at what you do. There's no way around that. You are amazing at what you do. I'm so glad that, uh, that God brought you to our team and that you said yes to, uh, to being on the team. Um, so as you reflect on uh, your experience in the LDS Church, those themes of not good enough, those themes of perfectionism, and as you reflect on how SMCC uh, is a church for people that are disenfranchised from that religious experience, what is it about SMCC, from your perspective, that really resonates with people who are familiar with an LDS culture? Um, belong before you believe is huge. Um, I think the um, the letting allowing God to work in people and not forcing or um, the next steps process through SMCC. I think is beautiful. It's it's not. Um, I have to. It's I get to or I want to or even I need to sometimes. Um, it's, it's not, I have to do all these things so I fit in. I have to do all these things so I can make my way to heaven. It's I get to do all this. We're all here on earth and we're living this life and we're all humans. Um, but taking that have to or required to Mm -hmm. freeze us up to get to Mm -hmm. and to feel i i think the biggest thing for me in the last year and a half is i learned more about god's grace and learned that we have to realize our need for his grace and the gift of his grace in unison and I think that's the process that I see at SMCC, that people get to figure that out on their own is beautiful. Yeah, I'm, I appreciate you saying that because you've just 
use different words than, um, or not just different words, but you've you've explained the gospel in its essence. You know the the idea of grace and truth all the time, and uh, something where God's kindness actually moves into our life in such a way that we want to follow Him, honor Him, take our next step. And so that's that's great that you have picked up on what is really central to who we are in our podcast. We kind of reviewed this idea that we're gospel-driven or gospel-centered. And man, if people can come and realize that, maybe not use the exact same words we use, but actually experience that and and make it their own, we're, we're feeling like that's a win. So you know, there's a lot of church that you visited. Uh, you you mentioned, and we don't want to mention other names, you know, <laughs> names of other churches. But what are churches doing wrong in Utah, in in light of trying to reach LDS people? From your experience, the churches that I visited. So, um, one that I went to for probably the longest. Um, the, the most times, I should say. Um, I think that they are trying to duplicate the California churches, um, which are very hype and very um, surface. There's no depth to them. Um, they, it's all about the experience of Sunday, which is super important, but they're not... Um, this one church that I'm talking about, there was no groups. Hmm. Um, and yeah, you can hear the gospel and you can be preached to on a Sunday for an hour, but if you don't put it into practice or learn from it, which is what you get in groups, um, I think that was one of the things that if you're preaching to an LDS community, um, their whole base is family and community and they are missing that mark. Um, if you, not that we want to duplicate what the LDS church is doing, but they feel, um, out of place. It doesn't fit. Man, that's interesting that you say that. Um, so as a, as a transplant to Utah, and I know a lot of our listeners are, uh, transplants, um, here as well. And, um, what uh, if someone's new to the area, new to Utah, and they're recognizing? Okay, we know that Jesus said, "Make disciples." That's not just for the pastors of the world and the church. I mean, this is for all Jesus followers, or to help other people become Jesus followers. Um, and so, someone like that—they're new to Utah. They're trying to figure this out. They want to live as a light to this community, to this valley. From your perspective, what would what would you say to the transplant? What encouragement would you give to a transplant who's sort of feeling like they're not? sure how to live as a light here in this community. They're not sure how to uh, encourage maybe their LDS neighbors, how to have conversations with them, or even how to plug in at SMCC, or if SMCC is the church for them, because maybe it is very different than their California experience. What would you say to the transplant to encourage them to live out the Great Commission um, in Utah? Um, I I would say have your um, three, well, my my pastor that I work for in California, he always told me, don't worry about your um, knowledge of the Bible. He said, have a three-minute testimony. Tell what God's done for you. Um, tell how Jesus has worked in your life. And I think that um, 
especially with the LDS people, if they have any kind of experience like mine where it's not, it's not graspable, um, they can understand someone's story more than they can understand what I call like reading Chinese, mm -hmm. these, um, the information in the Bible. They can understand when you tell them a life story of how God's changed your life rather than giving them a Bible verse. Mm -hmm. And as, as I think about your story, that family that uh, invited you to the funeral and then invited you to the service, you saw their story in the midst of crisis. It wasn't perfection that you saw in them. It wasn't um, this maybe this perfect family, because obviously there was a lot of pain inside of this family as well. It was their story of God's goodness in the middle of this very broken situation, and that drew you in. And so hearing you say, sharing your authentic story in Utah could do the same thing for those people who have the themes of not good enough, the themes of perfection. But hearing a story of God's goodness in spite of brokenness is really compelling. I appreciate you saying that. You know, I want to pick up on something that you were saying, Eric, and that is uh, we've got a lot of transplants here. Uh, we want to help them uh, help other people discover the good news of Jesus Christ. So um, what is something, Stacy, that is a common misunderstanding about the LDS or the LDS Church among outsiders, people that have never lived in Utah or has ever had even an LDS friend before? What, what do we misunderstand about Mormonism? Um, I think, and I kind of still misunderstand it myself, um, I think the understanding of they, they are such nice families. They're good people. They're um, doing all the right things according to what they believe. Um, but, and this is what happened to me. The first LDS people that I met here um, were neighbors of my daughter. And they, um, they never really talked to us. They never really came out. They would come out and say hi and stuff. And one Sunday I came home from church and I don't even remember what I was doing, but um, the neighbor came over and he said, hey, um, what were you doing today? Or some kind of question like that. And I said, oh, I just came from church. And he said, and I don't remember how I was dressed. I usually dress fine for church, but he was like, oh, you went to church like that? And I said, yeah. I said, I go and I think he asked where I went and I told him where I went and I said it was a, a Christian church and he goes, well, you know, I'm a Christian too. And I thought, why is he clarifying that? Mm -hmm. And I think the misconception is that um, there's been so many changes in the LDS church and they feel, I feel like they feel a need to clarify um, their beliefs and I think that's um, that's hard for a Christian to face that because what I believe is biblical truth and it doesn't change. It's not a changing thing. So um, I think that the LDS Church is going through a lot of changes. They've been going through a lot of changes. They will continue to go through a lot of changes because it is a changing religion. Um, so I think that's the thing that's misunderstood about people because they come across as a little bit um, like 
Like we're ignorant to the truth. And I feel like I have the truth. I know I have the truth. So I think that's right. what's hard to... I think, I think that uh, you're onto something here because I think that the average person that moves to Utah, they have a Christian background, they attend perhaps SMCC, and they talk to their LDS neighbor, and their LDS neighbor is using all the same words. They're saying, we are Christians. We love Jesus Christ. Um, we love the gospel. Uh, we believe in a plan of salvation. You can use all those terms and mean something completely different. And I think that throws a lot of new people off. Like, wait a minute, they're pretty close to who we are. If they use, they believe the same things I do, when they really don't. And the, and like you said, they've they've changed a lot. They've mimicked Christianity. They. I understand that they didn't used to say we're Christians too. They mm -hmm. would say no, we're Mormon, but now that's all changed. And and a lot of the changes has happened since I've lived in Utah. Twenty two years. Um, President Hinckley was a big part of moving the Mormon Church toward evangelical Christianity as far as he could without crossing that line and saying yes, this is the the Jesus we worship is the Jesus of the Bible. So. Um, I think that's really important to understand. You know, I was, uh, we just did a message uh, on Sunday about empathy. Pastor Shane, Pastor Kyle um, did a standalone message on empathy, and, and you said something that just struck a chord of empathy with me, um, with my LDS neighbors. Um, I don't know if this is true of them, I don't want to assume this of them, but uh, change can be uncomfortable. In my own life, we probably all know this, when we go through change, when things are changing regularly, it feels like we're on unstable ground, and that changing nature of things can be a bit uncomfortable. And at the same time, I want to make it look like I'm not worried about change, uh, that things are all good and all stable. But in the back of my mind, when things are changing, I do feel a little out of sorts. And um, I just got to, um, I need to imagine that for, for some LDS people, uh, continual change could be something that is a bit uncomfortable because maybe they're not sure which direction thing, things are changing in. And um, I want people to have assurance, stable ground in their spirituality, security uh, and assurance around the truth, around their salvation. And so when you said that this changing nature um, uh, is something that they're maybe dealing with, I thought to myself, and, and empathy sort of grew in me and said, wow, I want to be empathetic to um, just how maybe difficult that could be to have a belief system that maybe is changing, uh, or at least change is possible. Um, and, and so I, and that helped me kind of understand a little bit more of uh, LDS culture. So, so thanks for sharing that. I really like the idea that we want to share our story, that that resonates with LDS. Of course, they have fast and testimony meetings, so they're used to hearing people's story. And from what you said today, uh, just really struck a chord with me, and that is the essential um, impact of joy on a person's life. So we're fully devoted, fully delighted. That's that's what we want to be as disciples of Jesus Christ. We want to communicate to people that we love God enough to want to honor Him, and that's full devotion. And we want to now do that with a smile on our face, that, that this is not something we have to do. It's something we want to do, and that kind of delight. And so I'm going to, uh, having said that, and maybe even uh, reconnecting the dots in terms of what 
attracted you to SMCC? Is there anything else you'd like to say to our people today? Um, I think that just the one thing that um, I think people, just like the guy that came over, the neighbor that came over and saw me in regular street clothes, <laughs> which is what I would guess I would call it, um, that just come and experience or be there without any um, misconceptions. Just come and try it and see if, I'm not saying come and believe right away. I'm saying just come and see what it is. Because when you see, when the LDS person comes, like that guy that saw me in regular clothes and thought, well, you're not being reverent. You're not, you're not dressed appropriately. You're not this. Just because it doesn't look right because of what you've known your whole life doesn't mean it isn't right. Well, Stacy, thank you so much. Uh, I've enjoyed hearing your story, learning more about you, and uh, I've just really appreciated you being here uh, to share that story with our listeners. So thank you so much. Um, we'll be back next week, listeners, uh, with another episode of the podcast in season three, another story of someone who uh, is very familiar with um, in LDS culture. So thank you for listening. Leave a review. You could share this podcast if you think there are other people in your life who would find uh, Stacy's story compelling. Until next week, have a great week, and we will see you then. Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe, give us a rating, or share with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit our website at smccutah.org. Thanks again for trusting us with your time, and we hope to have you back again soon.